Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll give them a call. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Phil Kirpin, who is the president of American Commitment. We'll be talking about AARP, and really, are they some sort of a service organization for seniors? I don't think so. We'll find out why. It is July the 28th, and on this day in 1963, it's a day I'll never forget, I watched the broadcast on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. The African-American Civil Rights Movement reached its high watermark when Martin Luther King Jr. spoke out to about 250,000 folks attending the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. The demonstrators, black and white, poor, rich, came together in the nation's capital to demand voting rights and equal opportunity for African Americans and to appeal for an end to racial segregation and discrimination. Uh, long overdue. The peaceful rally was the largest assembly for a redress of grievances that the capital had ever seen, and King was the last speaker when the state, statue of Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, towering behind him, King used the rhetorical talents he developed as a Baptist preacher to show how he, as he put it, the Negro is still not free. He told of the struggle ahead, stressing the importance of continued action and nonviolent protest, coming to an end of his prepared text, which other speakers that day had limited to seven minutes. He was overwhelmed by by the moment and launched into an improvised sermon he told the hush crowd go back to mississippi go back to alabama go back to south carolina go back to georgia go back to louisiana go back to the slums and ghettos of the northern cities know that somehow this situation can and will be changed let us not wallow in the valley of despair uh, continuing as he <clears throat> began the refrain that made the speech one of the best known in history, second only to Lincoln's 1863 Gettysburg Address. I have a dream, he boomed over the crowd, stretching over the Lincoln Memorial to Washington Monument, that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We will hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but on the character. Uh, content of their character. I have a dream today, he said. Now, those, those words, certainly different than the tenor of uh, what we're hearing today, where almost everything is judged by the color of skin, isn't it? He did have a dream of equality. He ended his stirring 16-minute speech with his vision of the fruit of racial harmony. When we allow freedom to ring, when we uh, let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we'll be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. In the year after the march of, in Washington, the Civil Rights Movement achieved two of the greatest successes in ratification of the 24th Amendment to the Constitution, which abolished the poll tax, and thus a barrier to poor African-American voters in the South, and the passage of the Civil Rights Act, Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited racial discrimination in employment and education and outlawed racial segregation in public facilities. In October 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And on April the 4th, 1968, he was shot to death while standing on a motel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee. He was 39 years of age. Unbelievable. What a great speech that was, and what a great leader he was. He was a pacifist. He was uh, uh, wanted to uh, gain uh, freedom through uh, peaceful protests. Not what we're seeing today. We'll get more about that in just a moment. 
Martin Luther King, if you haven't read the uh, letters, letter from Martin Luther King in the, from the Birmingham jail, it is well worth reading. It is a fabulous, fabulous uh, writing. Well, 75 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Cuyahoga County uh, yesterday. That brings the cumulative number of cases to 8,870, 55,967 tested, and deaths to 118. Monday marked the second consecutive day Cuyahoga County has recorded less than 100 new COVID-19 cases. The first time that happened since the, the end of June. A total of 605 people have been hospitalized in Cuyahoga County, but as of yesterday at about 11 a.m., there were uh, just about, let me see, what was it, 125 cases, 125 people, uh, 153 people who are hospitalized, still hospitalized, out of 400 that have been hospitalized before. So just 153. The county also has 21.9% of its total hospital beds available and 35.8% of its ICU beds available. So the curve was flattened. Tests are, uh, cases are down for the second straight day. I wonder if this is perhaps an indication of good things to come. So what do all these new these uh, counts that I'm about to read have in common? Florida sets yet another coronavirus record, 173 deaths in a day. Here's another, a record 173 Floridians died from the virus Thursday, an average of more than one every eight minutes. Uh, uh, 134 new confirmed case de deaths in the second largest increase on record coming five days after the largest one-day jump of 156 last week. COVID-19 has ravaged Florida with more than 237 people tested positive and 2013 dying from the virus alone. So what characteristics do all these reports share? They're all false. It's not true that 173 people died from COVID-19 in a day in Florida, nor did 134 or 156 on the previous days. It was also untrue that 2013 had died in July when that story was published. All of these scary headlines are based on the number of deaths reported by the state on any given day. This is not the same as the number of actual deaths that occurred on those days. The difference might seem trivial, but it's crucial because the press is using the timing of Florida death reports to whip up a frenzy about COVID-19 running riot in the uh, state. Call it uh, uh, panic porn. The question that deserves to be answered is why the mainstream media seems so willing and eager to whip up fear rather than provide all relevant facts in context so the public can make its own informed decisions about how to respond to the disease. That's a great question. Uh, yesterday, the president announced that Moderna, the biotech company, potential vaccine has entered its final stage of testing. Earlier this month, Moderna announced that all participants in the earlier trial produced antibodies, and now about 30,000 American volunteers will take part in the last phase of testing, which focuses on safety and effectiveness, Dr. Fauci said, that will know if the vaccine works by November, and if all goes well, Moderna said it's be on track to deliver about 500 million doses per year. Amazing stuff. Actually, I'm more interested in uh, some sort of a... Of, of cure like uh, oxychloroquine, I probably said that incorrectly, but uh, some sort, sort of a therapeutic rather than a vaccine. I'm not real high on vaccines myself. I don't know about you. <clears throat> well, the Democrat House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler is in total denial. He claimed without evidence on Sunday that the violent Antifa riots in Portland were a myth Unbelievable. He was approached by journalist Austin Fletcher and asked if he disavowed the violent riots. It is true there is a violence across the country, Fletcher said. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa that's happening in Portland right now? There are riots. That's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C., Nadler claimed without evidence. Another Antifa in Portland, Fletcher pressed. Yes, Nadler said, claiming without evidence, a person with, uh, with Nadler, presumably an aide, rushed in to get Nadler away from the camera and took him to a car nearby. Sir, that's a video everywhere online, Fletcher said. As he walked away, there's fires and riots. They're throwing fire, fireworks and at federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It's getting crazy, Mr. Nadler. 
Dozens of people have been arrested during the violent riots in Portland, which have been going on for nearly 60 consecutive days. And the Department of Justice said in a statement last week that according to all court, and you know the story, the, the fact of the matter is that there's destruction of federal property. Federal agents are there in order to protect those, uh, the federal courthouse, the Hatfield Federal Courthouse. But there's all there's riot is going on, and uh, these people are trying to appease. These are not protesters. The protesters are simply abetting the looting and the damage that's going on. I'm sure that uh, it's just uh, I don't know why they're allowing this. Over 30 people were shot and 10 killed over the weekend as violence continued to surge in Mayor Bill de Blasio's New York City. 30 people shot. One of the fatal shooting victims was a 16-year-old boy who sustained a bullet wound in the head in Cypress Hill section of uh, Brooklyn, if you know the area. A Stop the Violence march occurred in Brooklyn the day before the seven fatalities actually occurred. Well, your marching's not going to do it. You need uh, police, and you need law enforcement, and you need elected officials standing behind them, not, uh, not criticizing them. So I, I, things are going to get a lot worse in New York before they get better, in my opinion. Uh, before Last uh, in this segment, a Seattle radio host and Twitter-based criminal defense advocate, Paul Gallant, dunked on President Donald Trump last month by denying that riots are violent, that the radio host was scored only on, by rioters who trashed his apartment. Uh, so what happened is that he came home after saying that there's no violence and his apartment <laughs> building was on fire. He went out and bought a gun. Amazing stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Dot com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So uh, it looks like uh, some good news. We're finding out that a vaccine might be available as early as November. We're seeing some of the numbers go down in terms of cases as well as deaths. I think the press is pretty disappointed. What are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, I hate to ascribe that, um, that emotion to them in general, but it is, you know, it is pretty troubling that there's a continual... Um, no matter no matter what anyone does, if the president says, "Okay, you should be wearing a mask," then they start chastising him for saying that. I, you know, honestly, that whole wearing it together um, philosophy does not seem to apply to at least a, a lot of the mainstream guys. And it's so true. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Washington Nationals over where uh, Fauci threw out the first pitch, but then he's sitting in the in a stadium with his friends there, side by side with his mask down. He said, "Hey, that's unfair. I was just dehydrated. I wanted to get some water." You know, it's just so disappointing to see the hypocrisy of of these people. Yeah, and, and, and you know what's really troubling is um, it's very easy. Uh, for them to say, okay, we need to shut down the economy completely, uh, nobody should be going out, um, because they have jobs. They get paid every day, right. and they are in an ivory tower, which they can afford to do. I am so concerned about, you know, the, the parents that, are, that all have to work and where the kid's going to be and how, how, how are we going to, you know, get back into school and get back to work so that people can actually afford to live. You know, the government cannot continue to pay um, benefits to people because, first of all, it's not enough to keep people alive, and it takes away people's incentives to go back to work. So I, that, the media has to start thinking about people other than themselves in their ivory towers, I think. Uh, that is well said. And it, the fact of the matter is we need to open schools right now. And I'm distressed. I don't know about you personally, but to see little kids in the second grade and third grade having to wear masks and having to wear goggles and so forth to go to school, this is so isolated. It's, school is not only a place to learn uh, about reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's also a place to learn socialization and all kinds of things. These are barriers. To, to everything that's supposed to be accomplished. Well, I, you know, I uh, do appreciate and understand the issue of the students wearing masks because we we really don't have full the full science. That's the other thing is that on a daily basis mm-hmm. we learn something different about this virus, mm-hmm. literally hourly, and and so you know you can't you just don't know who to believe because every day it's something different. So I always think it's just there on the side of caution. Now, the goggles I'm, I was a little disturbed about because I can't imagine kids keeping the goggles on. But, you know, the, I don't have a problem with the masks. Um, you, you and I talked about personal responsibility now for weeks. Yeah. The problem is people aren't taking it. I, I, I have, I'm appalled to see people going, you know, in large groups to events not considering that somebody there may have the virus or they may. Right. And, you know, how, in my opinion, you know, it's, it's sort of no harm, no foul. If you're doing something to help um, your neighbor, what's wrong with that? Well, <laughs> what's wrong? No, and I agree with that. However, the other side of that is wearing masks is uh, detrimental to your own personal health. I mean, if, can you imagine these kids wearing these masks all day, and uh, it, it suppresses your own immune system? It, it, you're, you're basically breathing in your own waste, you know, quite frankly. How do we know that, though? I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm yeah. just saying, how do we know that that's the fact? I've heard, I mean, you know, the scientists, everybody says, well, let's rely on science. The scientists can't agree. So I hear you. I, I'm sure I don't know what the answer is. The problem is we need we the teachers to go back in the classroom unless they feel safe. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel safe, I mean, if, if there are some parameters to it to help them 
feel safe, then we should at least take that into consideration because the, the thing that troubles me the most about the mm-hmm. school issue is parents who have to work, and we're talking about um, even if you shut down the economy, there's still people who have to work, yeah. grocery stores, um, in, in the you know, medical community. What do we do with their kids? You know, have, this is what's really troubling to me, and I don't see any focus on that. Yeah. We have parents that have financial means that are banding together and hiring teachers to come in to teach their kids in a, like a mini classroom kind of setting. Well, what about the parents who can't do that? Right. And they have to go to work. And you see, you know, you hear about nine-year-olds at home alone. Yeah. How are they going to manage virtual learning by themselves? Yeah. Anything going to happen? Yeah, this is, these, this is uh, such a great point. And back to your previous point, which is uh, even if there is good science and all this, there's so much misinformation floating out there. Right. You, what can oh. you possibly believe about all this? The misinformation <laughs> about what's happening in Florida. I mean, they're, they're trying to make the governor yeah. look like a buffoon, quite frankly, and for destroying Florida. He's, I think he's made great decisions up to this point. I do, I, I do, too. I, and, I, and I think, you know, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt in that he has all the data given to him in, in lifetime, right. in real time. We read about it through a filter of a reporter, someone who has different opinions, et cetera. And, and so, I, I, you know, I rely, I, you know, you have to rely on the fact that we elected him and he's got all the best information provided to him. We can't sit there in our armchairs and start chastising unless we know something better, and none of us really do. Oh, that's right, and uh, right now we see California kind of closed down again. And uh, just one interesting point, since they've uh, it required masks for everybody who's uh, two years old and up in California, in, in any going outside, that's any really, place. I know it was two years. Yeah, so it's uh, the 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 rate or velocity of virus contagion has gone up 165 so percent. Well, you know why? A lot of that is people. It gets back to this: people don't they're not paying attention to what what the laws are, mm-hmm. and you know we hear about it all the time. The the uh, you know COVID parties or the gatherings, like that one in New Jersey. Everybody's talking about where. You know, the kids had a party, nobody social distanced, they all got COVID. I mean, this is going on. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know the answer, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Well, in my opinion, I just like to see a good therapeutic, and I understand this hydroxychloroquine actually works. I saw a video yesterday from a medical doctor from, uh, I believe she was from Africa, but she's treated over 350 uh, patients, all successfully. Some of them had uh, compromised immune systems. So uh, all this stuff has been politicized so much. We just need good information. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that's probably the most uh, significant thing you said today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I said something significant. I appreciate that. <laughs> Kathleen Fasadomo, our uh, state senator. I just genuinely appreciate your taking time for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. She's up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin Beach to hear how things are going up there. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's still a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? Well, the beat goes on. Just be grateful we're not living in Portland, Oregon. Oh, isn't that the case? It's absolutely um, unbelievable what's what's happening up there. And everybody's in denial. Everything. Uh, did you read about this, what's happening in, in um, Minneapolis? No. So there's this community... Uh, Powderhorn, the neighborhood Powderhorn in Minneapolis, and the res- residents made a decision to not call the police anymore. <laughs> so, so if you're a comfortable wh- a white person asking to dismantle the police, I invite you to reflect, are you willing to stick to it? Minneapolis City Council President Lisa Bennett demanded. Well, so these people agreed not to do it. Well, rapes are up. They've had people moving into the, all the parks, uh, homeless people, uh, violence is up, and... <laughs> It's where where you, law and order. You just have to have law enforcement in place in order to protect yourself. They're in denial in, uh, as you mentioned, Seattle and Portland and uh, Minneapolis, all the places where you have uh, elected officials uh, who are Democrats. Yes, isn't that the interesting thing? All those big cities are run by Democratic governors and Democratic mayors, and the cities are. A mess. They are. It's unbelievable. I know it. And it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. I think that this is day 59 or 60 uh, for rioting in Portland. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the police. This is what I did this morning. I went to the Madison Police Department. It says, contact us. I said, I'm sending a compliment. And I wrote a letter of encouragement and thanks of gratitude for what the police have done to manage the demonstrators here and to keep the police or to keep the citizens safe. You know, so often we take them for granted. Yeah. And it felt so good to say, thank you. You all are the best. You know what? I just really acknowledge you and thank you for doing that. I, you know, I'm sure it was well received. I'm sure they're extremely grateful uh, for what you did. I stopped by because I did. I, w- I was made up my mind. I'm going to start thanking uh, law enforcement officers and first responders when I see them, but I never saw them. You know? So I actually went over to the uh, substation and uh, asked to speak to the uh, the head guy, and he came out, and I just said, I really appreciate and thank you so much for what you're doing to support us. I know you're not getting a lot of gratitude right now, but I want you to know that as one at one, one citizen's point of view, I really uh, thank you for what you're doing. I think he was very grateful yeah. for that. I think so, and I, you know, I think that sometimes we, we know we're grateful, but, mm-hmm. you know, pass the love, mm-hmm. pass the gratitude on, pass it forward. So I kind of feel just terrific because I did that. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. Well, there. You know, uh, when you give, you get, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. That's a, a truism. Yeah. Okay. On to something else. So I was with some people last night, and they were saying that Biden was on the View, and I think it must have been fairly recently, and they said he was so discombobulated 
that Joy Bear, who is a flaming liberal, yeah. had to practically force feed um, or, or you know supplement the conversation to kind of get him back on track. And of course, you know, there, nobody's going to play that one. So I went on the View. I went on ABC. They scrubbed it. I can't find it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's so dis- doesn't that seem dishonest to you? <laughs> well, everything that's happening is just uh, you know it's upside down. We're not hearing the truth from so many different dir- directions. People are in total denial about violence in these these cities. The president uh, candidate from the Democrat Party, literally, I think he's uh, he's lost his marbles. He's he's uh, incoherent. Yes, and I mean that seriously. Yeah. I mean that's not a tongue in cheek. Jab. If he were even a Republican, mm-hmm. let's say he was, I would be alarmed. Yeah. Ab- nobody seems to be alarmed um, because it's so anti-Trump. So I think Trump, because there's 100 days left, should be totally audacious. Not that he isn't normally. Mm-hmm. I think he should change the drinking age to eight, back down to 18. Mm-hmm. These kids vote. And uh, they use Ubers anyway. It wasn't like years ago. You know, now kids are all under the Uber thing. So uh, so I think you should do that. He tried to buy Greenland. Didn't get anywhere. I think he ought to buy Cuba. <laughs> buy Cuba. Did and you? make it a part. Yeah, and make it folded in, you know, and add, need to add another star. Just make it Florida South. Make it part of Florida. That's a great idea. Did you know that Cuba is the size of Florida? You knew that? Yes. I did not yeah. know that. That is the, I don't know why that piece of Long trivia. Long and skinny. Yeah, I wonder why that piece of trivia jumped into my mind, but that's an interesting idea. In other words, what you're suggesting is, hey, let, do something that really makes a difference right now. Yeah, stand out. Grab hold of something. And he could give every Cuban 10000 bucks. <laughs> I think there are 11 million people in Cuba, so that's a couple... Hundred billion, yeah, and then he gives them a voucher so that they get a piece of the action, a share of uh, the country's state-owned businesses, so they get a piece of the action and free <laughs> cigars for everybody. <laughs> well, Boo, that's a that's a great laugh, I'll tell you. But uh, uh, the president, he's. <laughs> You know, I, I, in a way, I think he's probably running against himself. There, you have people that really support him and, and uh, like Trump, like me, for example, and you have those that hate him, uh, those that uh, you yeah, have uh, Trump. Yeah, worrisome thing. Yeah, and uh, so I, in some ways, I wonder if, if Biden's really in the mix anyhow. I think people either are going to vote for Trump or against him. I agree, and if they vote for Biden, it's not a vote vote for Biden, it's a vote against Trump. And that's the worrisome uh, equation to all of this. And I I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. This is no shoe-in. I don't know if he's overconfident. I can't believe some people on the staff are going, whoa, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, we're I, not going to take this one away. Yeah, you remember Dukakis was 17 points ahead of uh, uh, Bush, uh, H.W. Uh, back in the day. Uh, so things can change in, in this period of time. I'm sure the Trump, President Trump right now has real numbers about what's going on. I think he totally understands the situation. I think he's got good guides. He kind of he shook up his uh, campaign staff and changed his tone. I think there has been a change of tone, more re- realistic, a little less, less salesy, if you will. So I think he's, I think he's, he's moderated, but I think in the last analysis, if people want open borders, if they want lawlessness if they want uh, one single payer system and all and, and uh, welfare for all immigrants and so forth illegal immigrants I mean the, the platform that he's running on is so insane I can't imagine anybody going and pulling a lever and saying you know what I want I want less law and order I'm gonna vote for Biden I can't believe that I can't either but I think that there are so many people we have friends that I'm appalled Mm-hmm. appalled at what they have said in, in their, it's a visceral hatred for yeah. Trump. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there, they don't care about Biden. Yeah. Uh, they're not voting for, you know, in his platform, they hate Trump so much that it's, you know, they vote for Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and you know, it's been that way since day one, ever since he came down the escalator, yeah. and uh, it was first a joke, and then when he won, it was pure hatred and just. Dis- 
uh, they just despise the man. And quite frankly, you know, I'm I'm sure there's uh, he could be nicer and better. All those things. The the point is, what he's done for the country has been amazing. Stripping away regulations with the way you know, it got to the point where you're walking around in uh, saltwater taffy if you're trying to get anything done in in your business or property. Uh, I just, I just really appreciate everything that he's done for us, and I hope he continues to do it for the next four years. Well, I do too, and so I'd like to see a lot of photos of guys going back to work, women going black back to work, Latinos, you know, all cross sections of people that are heading back to work yeah. and trying to. You know, of course, the media is not going to print that; he's going to have to do it himself. Yeah, <clears throat> but show the positive aspects. All of this is just, <clears throat> it's death by inches. You know, they're just pounding on on all of us. You can't do that. You can't do, ay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's getting, so true. crazy. And now school is blowing up. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Boo Mortensen, it's always a pleasure to find out what's on your mind. you got to move on, but I really appreciate you taking time today. Thanks for joining us. Start learning, learning Espanol. <laughs> Okay. You can go to Cuba all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, now we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners, offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I hope you drop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do great uh, breakfast and lunch, uh, one of my favorite places. So uh, uh, going on construction right now, so they've got a great deal for uh, buy one, get one free at Lulabee's Diner, breakfast and lunch in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist in a size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and I love how the media is presenting the uh, Democrats' $3 trillion uh, round six COVID spending as gospel and the Republicans' $1 trillion as the opening negotiation. Hey, remember... Which means remember, we're going up from here. Yeah, do you remember when we used to be concerned about the deficit? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is all right in the Alinsky playbook. They want to break the country, and one of the ways to break the country is to make them broke, Yeah, make it broke. So. Yeah. You know what, everything uh, everything that's going on right now is out of the Alinsky rules for radicals. I mean, oh, they're, Yeah, they're winning. As I wrote, I wrote several weeks ago, I said, you know that, that 
feeling you have in the pit in your stomach that something's not right, they're winning, and our side isn't doing anything to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this big. This is a big election coming up. It really is. <laughs> we only. Our only hope is that they. That they you know, the, the voters are the cowed into not saying they're for Trump, and and yeah, they'll come out because some of these polls don't make any sense. No, they don't. Biden by fifteen in Pennsylvania. What are you talking about? Oh, it's so crazy. So you wrote a great piece. I love this. The government shouldn't be an umpire and a pitcher for the other team at the same time, which is a pretty good point. But maybe you can tell us about it. I, you know, I ran in a room in the piece because once again I, I I went on and on. But um, there's a court case being heard right now, which is basically looking at this. What 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 I'm talking about is. The government is obviously the regulator of mm-hmm. everything. Right. Therefore, they're the umpire of everything. But then they get into, then they try to pretend to be private companies. The post office is a great example. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, they're regulating and taxing FedEx and UPS and competing against FedEx and UPS. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's not fair. Um, and and there's all sorts of reasons why it's not fair. They can, you know, uh, the, the post office loses lost eight point eight billion dollars last year. Could FedEx do that? No. Can can UPS do that? No. The the general revenues make up the deficit. Um, Amazon gets a dollar forty six of the post office loses a dollar forty six on every Amazon package it sends. Can FedEx and, and UPS do that? No. No. Um, then, of course, that's just the, the spending side. The, you know, the, you, uh, the government is regulating these companies that they're competing against. So the, re, you know, the reason we don't have competition in first-class mail is because the government outlawed it. Right. <laughs> they, they, law, they wrote a law that made them a monopoly on first-class mail. So you know, the, the, all of this is why um, government shouldn't be doing both, playing in the game and refing the game. I couldn't... And, uh, I couldn't right. agree more, Seton. Uh, the The question I have, of course, is the the post office was created by the Constitution. It's literally right in the Constitution that to establish a post office. What would you do about it? Well, I would. I would. It would go away. I mean, you know, it, it, Grover Norquist of, of American Tax Reform makes the analogy, which is, it, you know, if you, if you already had FedEx and UPS, would you create a post office? No. <laughs> the answer, of course, is no. Right. So. Um, it would go away. Uh, you know, likewise, and we've talked about this before. I believe uh, government, local governments, which are the re- you know regu- they, they regulate the heck out of broadband providers, internet providers. Mm-hmm. It's not the federal government. You know, we talk about net neutrality and privacy and all that, but when it comes to the nuts and bolts of you know, maintaining and expanding broadband access and speeds and all that, it's the local governments that matter. You mm-hmm. have to go to them and ask them for permits. You have to go to them and ask for permission to use the right-of-ways. You've got a, a rights-of-way. You've got to ask them for permission to attach to the poles, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the cables and the lines. Um, the local governments are the God in that case. You know, in fact, uh, the uh, Trump FCC limited to 5% of the co- of, of, of the uh, cost uh, of, of building out how much the governments could charge. Because what they were doing is they were charging 5%. Then they were making them do all kinds of crazy stuff like, hey, would you give every government building free Internet and cable? Mm-hmm. Um, would you build this park over here? And they were doing all this. Predicated upon that, you can't get permission to build out here until you do all these things. And of course, who and, pay, who who pays for all that? By the way, well, we do because our prices go up. That's right. So I, I love you know. So so then on top of all that, the Democrats just passed a bill, and we you know that said we're going to spend a hundred billion dollars on municipal or on on broadband, and they're going to the night. 19 states had passed laws that said the local governments can't get into the broadband business because we've had 25 years of, of, of recorded history of them doing it. Hey, Bob, how do you think they did? Not so good. <laughs> they were, they were all, my favorite example was what they called Utopia in Utah, I Provo, Utah. Mm-hmm. They spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on this network. It, of course, no one signed up for it. It's, first of all, it, 
the, the alleged problem is, we got, well, the, the problem is we've got to connect people that are unconnected. But the reason they're unconnected is because it's not profitable to connect them. They're too remote. Mm-hmm. So every time we go into the government broadband business, they end up competing with private companies who they're taxing and regulating because that's where the money is. The, the, the private sector knows how to you know, do this. Um, so they compete against them. Then they go broke. Uh, my, and then iProbe was a great example. They spent, I don't know, $100 million on this stupid thing. Um, and they sold all their infrastructure to Google for a dollar. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, years later, uh, Utah, everybody in Utah is paying an increased sales tax to bail out Provo from its iProbo utopia. Um, and this, this has happened hundreds of times around the country. It doesn't work, it can't work, it won't work. And, and of course, 19 states passed a law saying you, you can't do this anymore because we've seen what happened and it stinks. And, and, and attached to the $100 billion in uh, government broadband spending is a, a rider repealing the 19 states' laws that yeah. said, Oh no! You you can't prohibit local governments from doing that. Now, is this part it's of really the... very dumb? It's been proven to be very dumb. And by the way, we spent seven point two billion of the two thousand and nine stimulus on Muni broadband. Guess how that went? Not so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seat again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit his website, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org is the website. And, of course, on Facebook as well, you can visit uh, Less Government. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment right there in Washington, D.C. We're going to do that more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We are a national free market advocacy group. We work uh, really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues. And what we try to do 
uh, is find the issues that are sort of on the margin that might go in either direction where a little bit of citizen engagement and education can make the difference. And uh, we try to get people the information and make it really easy to write letters to Congress or the White House or a regulatory docket and uh, maybe tip some of these fights in a more free market direction and win some of them. Yeah, and, and doing a great job of it, too. Uh, uh, let's, uh, excuse me, AmericaCommitment.org is the website. AmericanCommitment.org. So, uh, Phil, you wrote a piece about AARP, and I think our listeners are going to be very surprised about what you wrote in your column. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, well, there's a, um, there was a big fight uh, during the Obama administration on something that was called the fiduciary rule, which was the idea, which most people agreed with, that uh, investment advisors ought to have uh, a responsibility to their clients to act in their best interests. And uh, the Obama administration, as uh, was its uh, style, had a, a good idea, but then when they actually wrote it up, instead of just uh, applying a fiduciary obligation to advisors, which is the way they headlined it and put it in their press release, they actually wrote about 500 pages of detailed prescriptive regulations that uh, would have shut down most investment advisors or forced uh, independent ones to merge into large firms, and so they actually would have greatly restricted, greatly reduced uh, the scope and availability of different choices of different types of investment advice, and it would have been a very anti-consumer regulation if it had been put in in the form uh, that they had proposed it. And so the Trump administration has revised that. The mm -hmm. SEC has now adopted a much more sensible version of this, uh, and the Department of Labor is harmonizing their rules with the new SEC rule, and so that's currently on public comment. And um, somewhat surprisingly, AARP is weighing in against it. Uh, they sent uh, comments in uh, sort of urging the Trump administration to delay this uh, move, and, and uh, almost certainly uh, they're going to advocate for something more like uh, the Obama version. Um, mm. And you know, the reason this caught our eye is AARP is now demanding the strictest possible form of a fiduciary rule for investment advisors and trying to revive the Obama rule. But very recently, they got out of a lawsuit themselves alleging that they were operating as an illegal, unlicensed insurance broker because they take 5% off the top of all of the United Health insurance plans they sell, and that's not very clearly explained, and, it's, and they don't follow uh, state laws for insurance resellers. Uh, they got out of a lawsuit in Ohio hmm. alleging that they breached their, their, their own obligation to their members, their own fiduciary obligation to their members, by saying that they had no fiduciary obligation to their members. It was only an ordinary business relationship, and they had no obligation uh, to their members to represent their interests in any way. And so uh, I just found it, you know, the height of irony that they're still advocating the strictest form of fiduciary rule for investment advisors when they themselves make money uh, selling health insurance products to their membership on uh, skimming off the top and uh, yeah. not complying with insurance laws by saying, we have no obligation to our members of any kind. It's only a business. Uh, we only have a uh, business relationship. Yeah, unbelievable. And uh, it's shocking. I'm, I'm not sure that that's disclosed that they get that 5% when people buy from United Healthcare. I guess it is their... Uh, their advantage program but uh, you know what is the motivation for aarp with regard to investment advice and uh, i just uh, were, were they thinking of getting in the business and somehow trying to make money doing that well you know they do have uh, they do have a they do have a um, they do have a branded relationship with a couple of investment advisors so it uh -huh. may be the case that uh, the companies they work with were, you know, well positioned to comply with those rules and regulations. Hmm. Their competitors might have been handicapped by it, and so they may have had a business interest in advocating this. It may just be, um, you know, political yeah. because they tend to align uh, with the left wing. So I don't know exactly what their interests are, but uh, it, it, in my opinion, it takes an extraordinary amount of uh, sort of brazenness to be publicly advocating to apply fiduciary rules to others when you get out of lawsuits yourself by claiming you have no fiduciary obligation. I couldn't agree more. And, and frankly, I was in the, uh, I was with uh, Ameriprise for uh, years, 43 years actually, and, and its uh, predecessors. 
uh, American Express Financial Advisors. My point being is I actually made the decision to get out of the business because of the insanity of the Obama rules. And thank goodness that uh, because it would have led to actually people getting less advice rather than the advice that they were getting under the current rules. So I really uh, thank President Trump for doing what he did, and I'm so great. I, I can't understand why AARP would want to intervene to go back to those old and crazy rules that the Obama administration tried to put in place. Yeah, it really is strange because um, the Trump administration handled this issue, I think, very well. Uh, they did create a, a sort of best interest standard, and mm -hmm. so there is a, a level of accountability, which I think most people would agree with. But they didn't do it with hundreds of pages of prescriptive regulations that put people like your advisor essentially out of business. Mm -hmm. So they, they did it the right way. Uh, it's the kind of thing that should sort of be celebrated across the political spectrum, in my judgment, and yet, uh, you know, here we have this opposition. So how can we support your efforts? Uh, first of all, uh, AARP has the reputation of being an advocate for the elderly. Well, nothing further could be <laughs> from the truth. It's, it's uh, quite frankly, they're just in business as an, as an operating organization, and I think, quite frankly, has a political stake in, in this game right now. So what can we do to support your efforts? Well, we've got this article... Uh up at Town Hall that I wrote with my colleague John Decker, and I would encourage people uh, to, to read and share that, and in particular, maybe cut and paste the quote from the lawsuit where they said it's just an ordinary business relationship and it has no, they have no fiduciary obligation towards their members because uh, the fact that that's how they get out of lawsuits, I think, uh, says an awful lot about what they actually are as an obligation. They are, not, they, they are not in the business of representing their members. They are in the business of selling them products. They are in, a, they're in the business of business, essentially. Yeah. And uh, until people understand that, uh, they're going to continue to distort so many of these policy debates, particularly the health care reform debates, where they essentially carry the water for their for-profit partner, United Health. Yeah. And uh, you know, as long as they can do that and politicians think they're representing seniors, every round of health reform is just going to benefit the big insurance company. So well said, Phil. I certainly support that. And by the way, are they a not-for-profit? Uh, they are, but they are very profitable, not for profit. Yeah, so what, I think at a minimum that should be challenged uh, in, as well, quite frankly. They should be able to maintain that not-for-profit status, in my opinion. Uh, Phil, but before I let you go, uh, you also had some real uh, great comments about opening schools uh, for the fall. Could you comment? Right now we have our rules in place in Florida, and they're kind of, here in Collier County, they're kind of crazy. Kids are going to have to wear masks. They have to wear goggles to school if, in fact, they attend school five days a week. Any thoughts? You know, we now have a vast body of literature showing that uh, children are practically immune from severe disease with coronavirus. Mm -hmm. uh, they can, in some circumstances, be infected, but they tend to get very mild illness, and uh, they also tend to almost never infect adults. In fact, one of the top advisors to the United Kingdom government is a professor from Scotland from the University of Edinburgh named Mark Woolhouse, and he did a review of the known data from all over the world and concluded that there is not one confirmed case of a teacher being infected by, a, by their student anywhere in the world, mm. uh, which is a pretty astonishing finding. Now, I'm sure that will happen and probably has happened, but the point is it's so rare that they can't even find one confirmed instance of it at the moment, which uh, means it's very, very unlikely. I believe that uh, we do not need containment in the schools. Uh, in fact, they, it may actually be harmful. It may be counterproductive. A study came out yesterday from Germany showing that adults that have exposure to young children are less likely mm. to get coronavirus than any other adults, probably because they get exposed to common colds and other childhood illnesses that confer cross-immunity upon them. And so denying them uh, exposure to children may, in fact, make them more susceptible uh, rather than less. And I just think uh, we have so much evidence now that children do not get severe disease and they do not spread it to others. I think that uh, putting onerous rules and restrictions on them is going to prove uh, unnecessary. That said, the most important thing is getting them in the building and learning in person. And I think that the other things that may start more strict and more severe will be eased over time as they're shown to be unnecessary. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is uh, have the schools closed. And so if people want 
these restrictions for a level of comfort and, uh, you know, just to be reassured and to calm public fears, which are so high right now, it might not be the worst thing to start with them and then ease them as you go. That's what happened in a lot of other countries is they started with masks and other restrictions, and then they got rid of them after a couple months. All right. Well, great. Uh, really appreciate the comment here. Again, uh, Phil Kirpin, AmericanCommitment.org is the website. Genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You got it. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you, Phil. Uh, really a great guy and uh, great commentary. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa as well as Professor Larry Bell. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>